Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 102. Welcome to the Secrets of Real Estate Investing Show, where you'll learn powerful strategies from top experts to take your investments to the next level. Here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Hi guys, before we start the show today, I am so excited to tell you about my Fast Track to Flipping Masterclass. It's coming up in January of 2019, and I'm going to share all kinds of wonderful tips, tricks, and secrets to the success of my over 200 house flips that I've done so far. I'm also going to be introducing my mentoring program that we're going to start in January. So if you want to be part of a group, a team, and have a support system in place, and some accountability, because that's what really gets you in action, I know, then go sign up for this masterclass right now at hardhatholly.com forward slash flip. That's hardhatholly.com forward slash flip. Go register and I look forward to seeing you there in January. Hey everybody, welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing. Today we have with us a dynamic couple that has made so much progress and success since I met them like a year and a half ago. And I'm super excited to have them on today to talk about their journey and how they got to where they are. So at that, welcome to the show, Jonathan Johnson and Savannah McBride. Hey, how's it going, Holly? Yes. So good to see you. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys could take some time to be on the show today. Thank you so much. I love for our listeners to hear about people that are doing deals now in the trenches. You guys have definitely hit a lot of obstacles and challenges, I know, and you have adjusted your course, including moving halfway across <laughs> the country to find success. And I'm really excited for you guys to share that. So why don't you give our listeners some insight and give them the, your story right from the beginning. Okay. Do you want to give them your background? Sure. Yeah. So thank you again for having us. Really appreciate it. And it's so great seeing you again. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we started out, I mean, we were in LA. Um, that's where we met Holly initially. Um, I had been working full time at a gymnastics gym for nine years. Um, he, meanwhile, he is self-employed. I see him, you know, going on hikes at noon on a Tuesday and I'm like so jealous. Like I want that life. Um, and so we really started getting into investing. We, um, went to a tax lien auction in Arkansas and, you know, had, you know, some money and thought, oh, we're going to get like four homes. Didn't turn out to be the case. We can, we can visit that later. But, um, so I wasn't happy at my job. Um, we had started Wholesaling Inc., um, Tom Kroll's program. And that's how we, we actually met Holly because she was on one of his podcasts. Um, and basically I said, you know, once we start making money, I'm going to quit my job. And, you know, I'd go to work. I had like chest pains. I was really anxious. Um, and he said, he said, you should just quit. And I was like, ah, oh, that's really scary. I, you know, I just, I, it, it was too much to think about. And, um, I said, well, the next day the you know, the owner, my boss is in, I said, I'm going to put in my notice happened to be that next day. She hadn't been there in two weeks and she was there. And I said, well, I guess I'm quitting today. <laughs> so, so that's kind of how, how it went. Um, 
I feel like our story is really long and I don't want to, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll let him, him take over a little bit. I don't know. Do you, I don't know if Holly wants to interject in between. But. Yeah, Jonathan, tell him uh, what you did and still sometimes do for a job because it's kind of unusual yeah. too for someone in this industry. Yes. So uh, I was in the, or I guess currently still I'm in the entertainment industry. That's what I was doing out in LA. Um, doing pretty well at it actually. He's doing it full time for quite some time and just hit a point where actually, I guess I could tell the story. So I burnt myself pretty bad. I burnt my hand uh, cooking bacon actually. <laughs> and it was actually a really interesting experience to seeing how I had all these jobs lined up and I was on hold for, and then instantly I was unemployed um, or not employable until I was able to heal. And it was kind of like a reality check that my income is based off of just this. And um, well, and for people that can't see you, this he's motioning to his amazingly hot body and good looks, <laughs> right? I'm married, I'm not picking up on him, you know that. With him, but you know. You're a beautiful man, and people pay you for your well, beautiful Thank you, Holly. I appreciate right. that. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. I worked in the fitness industry, so I was a fitness model, and I still do that occasionally. I've since we've been out here in Austin, Texas. Uh, I've flown back to San Diego, to LA, multiple times for work, usually for fitness shoots. Um, and uh, even out here in, in Austin, there's still commercials. I actually shot, ironically, a Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Um, being a fitness model, you can see how that can go hand in hand. <laughs> of um, course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, it's actually nice to still be able to dip into a more, I guess, creative or more, it's a, it's a different field to kind of mix up it where it's not just solely business, real estate, you know? Um, but as Savannah was saying, the, the initial, I guess, push was tax liens. We went to Arkansas thinking that we we're going to get multiple different properties. We did a lot of research. We, I mean, we did um, title searches on all the properties. Um, and we just hit a point where, or, or during that, it was just like, oh, we're definitely going to get an amazing deal doing this. Nobody has money out in Arkansas. And lo and behold, we're at this auction, and it became like this a bidding war where people were going over the fair market value. And literally, we ran our numbers before we went in there. There's no way they were actually making a profit unless they're doing a buy and hold for that particular situation. Um, so came back, no properties. Um, and that's when we had looked into Tom Krill's. Uh, program and wholesaling and trying to wholesale a property in Los Angeles is a lot easier said than done. Um, we actually spoke with um, Tom's brother, who's based actually in San Diego, and he kind of gave me a little pep talk. He did say that that market is could be a beast. Um, sure, for someone like him and that skill set and that caliber, he would be able no problem to do that. But for us, being new, just trying to network, not having any net worth was a lot more difficult doing that. So we were both coming to a point in, I guess, our careers professionally, uh, but also personally having a better quality of life that we were, we sought out other states that we can be able to have a, a, a nice life, but also be able to make an income. And we actually flew out to Denver, Colorado, checked out Boulder, and we checked out Austin, Texas. 
And then after seeing Austin, it was like a no-brainer. Like, we already knew, like, this this place is it. And we had never been to – oh, I had never been to any of them. So it was, like, one flight, and then a month later we moved to Austin because we saw, hey, you can buy a home for 250000 That's crazy. Boulder and Denver, you're still looking at $600, $700, a million. And we're like, we don't want another market like that because it's a hard market to start in um, when you don't have a lot of leverage and income. Um, to back you up. So, so yeah, we've been here in Austin since March of 2017, so a little over a year, and we hit the ground running. <laughs> I mean, we had nothing to lose, so we missed it. Yeah, we just uh, killed it with Miller's. Uh, we actually rode in a course out here um, that was an amazing networking course, which allowed us to have instantaneous uh, circle, whether we're contractors, uh, funders, um, that able enabled us to just fly um, from the. I mean, we shot out Mellers. We got a few sellers that wanted a million dollars for their home, which is kind of a similar conversation I've had with multiple sellers in California, where they want the world and the universe for their home, and they think that they can actually get it. Um, so we kind of had to battle that a little bit, but we we were able to get deals, um, or at least leads that we're trying to convert um and so we kind of realized that there's multiple avenues to to get those from it wasn't just one network or one source so whether it's i mean savannah's done door knocking we've done uh actual millers um we haven't hit cold calling yet um but then because of the network there's so many other people that are doing other things to generate leads and then they can fire them over to us uh, for instance, like the foreclosure property that we have was a lead that a Dallas investor shot over to us. Um, and by the way, I don't know if I can plug programs, but there's a program called the Big Dog Program out in Austin. And that's the program that we enrolled in that really helped us kind of get integrated, uh, I guess, within the Austin community. Because it is the most, I would say, up and coming, or at least it's not up and coming. It's been busy. It's been insanely busy for a while, yeah. uh, for a few years now. So especially compared to all of the different markets in Texas. Um, but yeah, the big dog program helped us kind of get that traction and then get and from there con continuously networking out. Um, but yeah, we did get a lead, a foreclosure lead where um, we, okay. So, <laughs> so there's other investors were jumping on the same prod or I guess same seller and the seller was like, well, I'm going to entertain a couple deals and I'm going to see who, like, who can offer me the best price. And I was like, you're closing in three days. Your property is going to be sold in three days. So whether it's me or anyone else, you need to find something to save you or else you're going to jack your credit up. You're going to lose your home and not make anything from it. Um, and then we were able to tap into our network and bring professional foreclosure closers with us that we partnered up with, got on a contract, started uh, a lease back, and then um, kind of the rest is history. We got in there, got it out. Savannah and I did the managing of the project, and uh, we got a contract yesterday for full, full asking price. Yeah, and we flipped that in, in three weeks. Um, yeah, and the, the purchase price, I think, was 143 we have it listed at 269 
So, oh my god, and our rehab was thirty thousand. So, we and you did the rehab in three weeks, or the or you marketed it for three weeks. No, we rehabbed it for three weeks. We got a full price offer in four days. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is yeah. amazing, yeah. guys. Thank you, thank, thank you. you. Our rehab was yeah thirty thousand. Um, so we we really had to manage it and micromanage it to keep those costs down. Mm -hmm. I mean, easily could have paid sixty thousand for the rehab, but we were the ones going to Home Depot. We, you know, we were there day in and day out, making sure that that property stayed on budget as far as rehab. Because, so what was your scope on that? Like, did you guys do everything, like kitchen and bathrooms and flooring and paint, or what all did you get done for your thirty thousand? I'm just curious. Yeah. So we, I mean, the, the house was built in 03. So it, it was in pretty good shape. I mean, it was a foreclosure. They had neglected it. There was holes in the wall. Um, it was weird flooring. It was like dark laminate to like linoleum to Formica counters. You know, it was mm. a, a track home that, you know, didn't have much, you know, wow or anything. So I mean, we did pretty minimal. We did um, tile throughout the bottom floor. Um, we did carpet it on the up, upstairs. We did granite, even though honestly, in that in that um, in that neighborhood, there's no granite. They're all formica. But we're like, I'm, we're not selling a formica countertop home. <laughs> so I'm assuming granite is still pretty cheap. Even I know yeah. it's dirt cheap yeah. in LA because we're right at the port where they bring it all over from China. Mm. But I imagine in a major area like Austin, it's still pretty affordable, right? Yeah, it was like thirty dollars a square foot. So mm. I mean, we could have gotten quartz for like thirty-five dollars a square foot, but. For it, the area didn't warrant quartz, so we're like, smart. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely, I see a lot of beginning flippers, myself included, will over-improve a house. But that's so smart that you looked at what your competition is and was. Like, hey, this will be fine. It's still a little bit better than the other ones, but we don't have to take it over the top and lose the money, right? Yeah, yeah. And we kept all the cabinets. The cabinets were like bad spray-on tan orange. And... We, we, all of the comps had that color. No one painted theirs. I mean, we, it wasn't in the budget to change them. So um, actually, Jonathan and our partner, Chris, they ended up staining the whole cabinets. And I was like, no, that's too much work. We don't need to do it. And it looks really amazing. So wow. we kept the, um, the vanities in every area except the master because it was a weird one. We had to actually replace that. But um other than that, I mean, it was fixtures, it was paint, it was pretty minimal. Um, we did some paint on the exterior, but not the whole thing because it was 1,800 square feet and it really wasn't in the budget to paint the whole. It was stucco. Every house in the neighborhood is cookie cutter. So we, you know, we did some pop of color on the door, on the shutters, but other than that, we kept it pretty simple. Um, cool. Well, and I have to say, I think it's really smart of you for going something that's on the newer end. And now in California, very rarely. So if you're listening and you're in California, usually if you're looking at a 2003 house in Southern California to flip, it doesn't make sense. They're, they're too good and they're too nice. There's not enough spread. But in Savannah and Jonathan's area, it worked great, worked awesome. It's mm -hmm people I know that do mailers and even the homes I buy, 
I mean, all three homes I'm thinking of right now that I bought in Orange County the last few months, all built in like the 70s. So that's how old they have to be before we can add enough value to make it work as a flip. But obviously in your area, well, I'm going to add one more thing. I do have a flip that was built in 06 in mm. Desert Hot Springs. So it's like the north end, north area of Palm Springs. And once again, not well taken care of. And we did have to replace all the cabinets because they're rotted out in the bottom from water damage. Yeah. But, um, you know, just generally speaking, you have to really know your market and don't expect in California, Southern California, anyway, that you can shop in the 2000 plus market to find a flip. But that's awesome to do that yeah. in Austin because then it keeps your rehab costs down. It's not as an extensive and a heavy deal mm -hmm. as it is from a 1970 house. So, mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. And, and we get a lot of, like, I'm a price hunter. So, I I get like, like our tile was, they're 12 by 24s and it was under a dollar a square foot. Wow. <laughs> and we got them at Habitat for Humanity. And so we went there and it was like all the tile, which I think was like a thousand square feet of tile was like 700 bucks. That's so, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then we also did another hack on the carpet. So we didn't, we don't love carpet, but everywhere there had carpet and to try to do the stairs with either, you know, laminate or something else is very expensive. Yes, it so is. So we went to Home Depot and we, they told us there that, hey, if you get, you know, carpet that's over a dollar a square foot, we do free installation. If you buy more than 600 square feet, we're like, done deal. So we got, you know, the best carpet for the cheapest price. And um, yeah, so... So yeah, we're, we're all about the price hacks and hunting. And we actually personally power wash the whole fence, the whole front driveway to save on costs. Because it was like, we're not going to spend $300 for you to power wash. We'll power wash. Right. And at your, play, at your point in your, your time, like that's a good use of your time. That's great. Now, if you were flipping 20 houses right now, you wouldn't be doing that. But I think it's great that you did that. And I'm like... Totally laughing that you're talking about this because my husband bought a power washer at a garage sale in my neighborhood last week. I'm like, don't buy that. We don't need another thing in the garage. But he's so excited to have this big manly power washer. I'm like, they're the gosh. Best. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're so great. We like, I'm like, can I do it now? Can I do it now? <laughs> when I asked my husband, like, why are you buying this? Our main contractor power washes all the time. He doesn't need one. He has one. He's like, well, we can do it in the backyard. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> he must have done it too. He must think it's fun. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's really satisfying, I'm telling you. <laughs> That's funny. Like, I, I kind of like just lose myself while doing it because you're, you're seeing instant results, you know? Like, yeah. just doing the backyard uh, for this foreclosure we're talking about, it was just, we were contemplating, like, do we need a new fence? And they're like, no, oh, maybe we can repaint it. And then just pressure washing it, just getting it off, it looks like a new fence. Yeah. Um, cool. yeah. And that saved so much. Yeah, we got it at Costco for like $300, like brand new. Um, and our contractor was going to charge us $300 to pressure wash. And now we have it. Now you can power wash whenever you want. Like, oh, I need to feel like some yeah. power washing therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I told him, I'm like, we should be renting this baby out for like yeah. a day. 
other investors who want to power wash. Yeah. yeah. Have money. Well, that's a nice little thing you can kind of um, offer, you know, because you guys know how the networking game works. You play it well. You, you know, like when you're meeting someone, like, oh, if you guys, have, if you ever need a power washer, you can borrow ours. I'm like, oh, that's great. So just a nice little give you have hanging out there. And, sure. yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, that, I am so excited for you guys on that deal. That's amazing. I would love for Savannah to share about her journey on deciding to become an agent and like what led you to that and how hard was it and all of that yeah yeah so initially I was like no way not doing that not interested um I really thought it would um prevent us from doing deals because I was an agent um and I didn't want to pay the dues I didn't want to go to school but after I would say about eight months of sending mailers and, you know, our first, I would say seven months, we spent over 10 grand in mailers and got one deal from a mailer. At so, that time. At that time. We've gotten more since because people hold on to them. Yes, they now. do. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but I realized how much we, we got a lot of leads. I mean, we had like, I think 60 people on our list of, they wanted to sell their house, but they didn't want to sell it at the price we wanted it at. So um, I was like, we're leaving money on the table. If, if it doesn't make sense to buy it as an investor, maybe it makes sense to at least we can list it and, you know, turn that lead into money, you know? Um, Cause a lot of times you're, you know, you're, it was a wasted lead. So, um, so yeah, I, I met, um, um, a brokerage that was at a, an investment meeting. Um, I'd seen them multiple times and um, they're called, um, can I say the name of the brokerage? Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's called um, Stepstone. And basically it is a brokerage for investors. So everyone that's on the brokerage is an investor. They either flip houses, they wholesale houses. Um, they have private money to lend. Um, it, it's a great network and the brokerage caters to you selling your own properties. So you get, you know, your brokerage fee is discounted um, when you sell your property and it, you know, it, it makes the most sense. Um, uh, so I went to school. Um, I started online. That did not work for me. I am not someone who can sit there and read for hours and hours and hours. So I ended up going to in-person class um, at Champion School, which I think is amazing. It is, I think, one of the best. I don't know if it's based here in, in, in Texas. I think it may be. Hmm. Um, and I just got it done in like three weeks. It was basically like eight-hour days. <laughs> wow. It, you know, crash course. Um, and here in Texas, the pass rate is about 40% first time. Hmm. So not, not super strong. Um, but I was able to get my license, um, first time pass. So I was, <laughs> and then, yeah, so I signed on with my brokerage and, um, it's been great. I've utilized it in the way that, you know, we haven't sold our own properties yet. Um, because we have an amazing, um, source here in, in Texas and it's called listing spark where they will list your property for $7 a day it is a wow. brokerage. <laughs> And sometimes it may be cheaper than the rate I would be paying my brokerage. Um, so we've been selling our properties that way thus far. Um, but our next few properties are going to be higher value. 
Um, so you really want someone marketing your property. Um, so, so yeah, that, that, um, the brokerage is amazing and, um, has been the perfect fit, um, for what we needed. That's really cool. So I would love to address something you said that this is really important in case people are considering getting a license, which I think is great. I was really glad I got mine. Let's see, I've had it three years and been doing the game 10 years. So the first seven years, I didn't have a license and we were, quote, given that commission away. But Mm -hmm. as I was deciding which brokerage to, they call it, hang my license with, Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them would not allow me to sell my own properties here in Southern California. They're like, well, you would have to hire another agent in the brokerage. And when I said, okay, so how much would that other agent charge me? And I met him. He's like, oh, well, two and a half percent. Like, that's what I would just pay to a stranger on the street. Like, why would I even be doing this? So yeah. definitely, if you're going to go on that route, you've got to pay attention and make sure that you can list your own properties if that's your objective. And then another benefit that I found from getting my license, I mean, it's only happened once. I've gotten one deal from another agent in my office, but it was a great deal. So he called me and said, Holly, it's a hoarder house. They tried to fix it themselves. They tried to do it yourself. It's missing flooring. Be careful where you step because on the second floor, it's missing big chunks of flooring. Like it was a disaster, but he knew he could trust me. And I came in and he got the buy commission and it all worked out great. And I wouldn't have possibly had that connection if I hadn't been connected to him through my brokerage. So it opens more doors when you are an agent. And just when I go to my broker preview meetings and realtor events, it's more opportunities for me to get FaceTime with other realtors. And I always make sure they know, and you would represent me as the buyer. So if you can find me a deal. And in fact, yeah, one that I am in escrow to buy now. It's another realtor that brought it to me. She gets the buy commission. She's thrilled. I'm like, okay, bring me more. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just works out really great potentially, you know. Mm-hmm. So about how much did it cost you there in Texas to get, like to go to school and pay for the test and get your license and all that stuff? Just so yeah, people my know. Schooling, uh, my schooling was a thousand. Um, and that was in class. Um, and then that, they also give you um, test prep courses. And you can do, and with that money I paid, you can do as many as you want. So I took two testing prep because they recommended, like, you really need to know this terminology. Um, and then as far as my dues was about 1600 And that was for half the year. So so about, you know, 2500 so far. Um but yeah, definitely worth it. And another another aspect is like, cause here there's there's deals on the MLS. You can find them. Um, and if you're representing yourself, that commission can go back into your rehab have costs there. And so you may be able to pay a little bit more than someone else who who doesn't have that that advantage. So definitely, and you have MLS access. I mean, right yeah, there, you yeah, have your own yeah. MLS account. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's super cool. Well, thank you for sharing that because a lot of people ask me, should I get a license? Is it worth it? I don't want, I mean, I resisted for years. You resisted for a little bit, right? But now that we've made it through to the other side, we're like, yeah, (laughs) it's worth it, right? Yes, yes, definitely. The the benefits definitely exceed the cost. Well, I'd love for you guys to tell me about some more of your deals too. What's another one that um, you'd like to share? 
Yeah, there was actually one was before Savannah had her license. We found one off the MLS that was a duplex and uh, we put an offer in. So there was two tenants in there. One was month to month. I've been living there for 30 plus years. I think 32, 33 years. Yeah. And she did not want to move. She straight up said, I'm going to die here. <laughs> and so, yeah, that, yeah. that was a process. Uh, the other tenants were month to, no, the other tenants had a lease, but they were like a younger couple and they were kind of more flexible for us. We gave them incentive to move out, to break their contract, to move out earlier. Um, but yeah, we put an offer in, um, which was interesting because we came in as investors, but they just, uh, uh, the seller brought in his own buying agent to represent the buying side, which, yeah, we could have just- was at his brokerage, basically. Yeah. But it worked in our favor in the long run. So, go ahead. Um, <laughs> Well, essentially worked in a favorite long run where they were able to negotiate their own commissions in order to make our offer go through. Ah. All of a sudden, there was a bidding war on this, and that's kind of like the Cash 22 with being in the hot market and on the MLS that so many eyes are on it. Yeah. Uh, so thankfully, our deal went through, our funding went through, which that was a whole process as well, just getting a proof of funds um, but then everything went through on that one. We, I mean, I can kind of do a little a summary because I mean, it could be a long story, but <laughs> essentially we bought the duplex, sold them separately as condos with the condo regime, we bought it at 262. Mm -hmm. Um, and we did 70 K in rehab and made 136 in profit. Sweet. That is yeah. a fat, fat deal. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it yeah, was. Yeah. Um, Basically, we sold each unit at 232, 235. Yeah. Fantastic. 262. And, and basically, because of our network, um, we had a friend who had done the same thing. He bought a duplex. He condo regimed, which does cost about $4,500. But basically, instead of just owning the inside of the property, like a condo, you own the land. So they basically own half of the land. Um, so they subdivide the lot and split it down the middle. Um, it was about 4,500 to do that, but it makes the property more valuable than say, if you're just buying a normal condo. Um, but yeah, it was, we had a friend who had done it and we call it the Eddie effect. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, so we were looking for something like that. And, um, it, it happened to be in the right area where single family homes are going for 300 to 450,000. So for anyone to get in that, in that neighborhood, they were going to, they were dying to have these properties. I mean, the, the A unit um, was pending in four days. The B unit was pending in 24 hours. So oh my gosh. Wow. Was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it was people that wanted to be in this neighborhood, but couldn't really afford it but they still got a house. I mean, it was, it looked like a house. They had a garage, they had, you know, washer dryer, they have a nice yard. I mean, it was, it was a sweet deal. It was our baby, but we were ready to get rid of it. Once. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. we're like, the closing process is a process is having like an agent, which I feel like I have like a love and hate relationship with agents um, because they go, <laughs> we had an agent, go in, have it inspected, and literally highlight everything that needs to be done on the inspection sheet and be like, this is what needs to be done. 
Like she didn't even list it. It was like, see addendum this, and then have it just listed. And I was like, these are all like small, like little nitpicky things. And like, we just countered back by saying, come up with a real list and we'll give you an, like, a will counter. But like this, we're not even going to consider this. And just by doing that, it allowed her to negotiate with herself and with her client. That way when they, cause like it's, they know that the house is going to sell and they know that we don't have to be going into this like back and forth battle because we're desperate uh, sellers. Um, yeah. So by doing that, they came up with a more realistic list, but just that process was interesting because we, we were at one of the units and we were like talking to an agent and she just seemed like really sweet. And we just, we just, I remember we were disclosing something and she, because we disclosed it, She's, she told our, uh, I guess, negotiator through Listing Spark that because they uh, disclosed this, you now need to supply uh, look the at, inspection. Because like, we got an oh, inspection yeah. when we purchased Initially, it. Initially, yeah. And so she goes, oh, yeah, there's a lot of electrical issues here. It's the highest I've ever seen. And I'm like, and I said, well, that's interesting because it didn't show in our inspection when we purchased it. And um, then she was like, oh, interesting. And then she was like, straight at it like we want that inspection it was like like we were trying to hide something because our inspection didn't have i mean we did all the repairs that our inspection showed so it was interesting <laughs> yes there's all kinds of realtors i can say that because i am one and i love it when they're they reduce their clients expectations to reality like and I have seen where buyers of my flips think, okay, I'm buying a new house. I want everything to be new and perfect. Yeah. It's not a new house. It's a renovated house. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but like people expect perfection because it does look really pretty overall when mm. everything's new and then there's, it's staged. It feels a lot like a model home. But when the inspection mm. comes out, they're like, oh, what about this? What about that? <laughs> yeah. But did you guys actually do repairs or did you give a dollar allowance and say, take this and go away? What did you do? We did both. Um, because, I mean, because they were sold separately, we literally were doing two transactions simultaneously. Uh, we did some repairs. Some of them were, uh, actually was our contractor's responsibility. So okay. then he went in and did a lot of stuff that was under, I guess, his... Um, scope of work that he had given us mm -hmm. um, but there were I think there was like yeah, so our custom screen windows we ordered custom screen windows because we I think they threw out the original windows and uh, we, we got we I measured it she measured it and then they came up wrong, like it just didn't fit the window so we gave concessions during closing for the screens right um, I don't think what others stuff. I remember uh, they said that if it doesn't appraise, our client's not going to um, can't pay the, can't bring anything more to the table. And uh, I was just like, why are you telling us at the like at like days before like the appraisal to go through? You know, like you could have like if you said that in the very beginning, because we we were firm on like this is what we're asking for. We're not going to budge on this number. Mm -hmm. um, the first unit appraised at two, 232. We're listing at 235. So we met in the middle on that one. Um, because that one was like a ringer of going back and forth and jumping through hurdles. And like even their, their client was like, 
they're getting to a point where they were just getting irritated with this back and forth. But I think it was just the communication between everyone. Yeah. Um, but then our second unit appraised at 235. And so the one that said she couldn't bring any more, it just appraised and we were able to get the full asking price for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something. Oh, oh, go ahead, Samantha. <laughs> Savannah, sorry. That's okay. I think the biggest thing is, 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 if you've never done a flip or you've never sold a property is just because you have an offer and you have a contract, it's a whole another set of obstacles to go through to actually close and then get your, you know, your money that you've um, earned. So that's just for us. It was the biggest thing was like, Oh, you're so excited. You've got an offer and it's pending. That's awesome. But then there's all these other obstacles to make sure that that goes to closing and you end up making definitely just a big reminder for us. Like, Oh, let's just be ready for that. (laughs) Well, and I'll even tell my regular, as I call them retail real estate clients, Hey, there's round one of negotiations, which is the price. And then Mm -hmm. after you're in contract, there is the repairs. It's another round of negotiations of what's going to come up in the inspection. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys can do this in Texas, but uh, when I have a hot property with multiple offers, I'll tell people, especially if I'm doing a multiple counteroffer, you need to waive the appraisal contingency, meaning like they've got to have enough cash to come in and pay the difference. I don't know if that's legal or common practice in Texas, but you guys should definitely ask around about that because I love to just say, hey, we're in the strong position here. We got lots of people that want this. If you want to be in the game and you want this house, you have to waive appraisal contingency, meaning you've got to come in with the cash if it doesn't appraise at what you offered. So that's another strategy too. Yeah. Well, you guys have become experts yourself. Look at all this. I'm so impressed. Everything you've learned and done. Wow. I, I do have a question for you. Yeah. Um, so with being an agent um, for a few years now is that we've noticed out here that agents will overpromise their clients to get them and then essentially bring them back to reality. And then, and as investors, investors will overpromise as well. So I, it's, I feel like on both ends, there's overpromising and underdelivering. And I and I know even recently we had a uh, a lead off of a bandit sign that we went in and I was like, we're going to be transparent with you. The offer that we give you, we're going to stick with it as as much as possible. And I'm and telling you that I could tell you we can offer you more, just get you under contract, then negotiate you down because now that I got you locked in, and I know that you need to move soon. Um. But I'm like, is this not, I don't feel <laughs> ethically right doing that. But I see it all the time um, out here. Um, also, I mean, a little bit in LA as well, where they will tell their client, like, you can get this X amount for your property. And they're like, well, an agent told me I can get this. And then as an investor, I'm like, well, you cannot because your home does not look like what's going for that, that price. price. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, just kind of curious on your approach. I- both sides. I agree with you a hundred percent and realtors will tell sellers or listers that just to get the contract. They get just like an investor does and they get it and like, well, the market, you know, has changed or the market's not what it was. So let's do a price drop of 50 grand or hundred grand and they're disappointed. And then sometimes they get really mad and might cancel a listing and then they just list with another agent and they're still listing it 
you know, they've got to drop the price because the market has spoken. The people have spoken. <laughs> and yeah, the same thing with investors. I mean, I, I think it's unethical, but a lot of people operate that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it's difficult having to, to keep that advantage or keep that competitive edge when other people are doing that. Like, do we need to do that in order to have some type of competitive edge to maintain? Like, yeah, I mean, I don't. Everybody's got to decide for themselves, but I've heard of plenty of investors that just tie it up and then they come back. Oh, wow. We didn't know how extensive the repairs were going to yeah. be. My offer has to come down to this. But, and then the seller is somewhat committed to them. And they're like, well, I don't want to start over with a new one. They're just going to negotiate me down too. But then the other guys that would have offered a lower price don't even get a chance to play because the first guy kind of roped him in. So yeah. I don't have an easy answer. I wish I did, but I, like you, will not overpromise on price. You know, I don't, I don't do that. Yeah. In this, this particular deal that he was talking about, you know, we got the call on the bandit sign, we have a new build on the same street. So we have a bandit sign in the front yard. I have got like a few calls, but she's on the same street, wants to sell. We go meet with her. We're in negotiations as far as price. And we said we didn't want to pay over 270. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we didn't want to pay over 270. She calls him, she goes, someone's offering me 280. Um, can you match it or can you, and he calls back and you, we weren't going to go up, but, um, but basically they got it under contract. And I said, I think we need to keep following up with her. I feel like that's a wholesaler. It's going to fall through. Turns out he wholesaled it to our builder that's on the project with us. <laughs> so now we have the property and he had to go negotiate it down to 250. And oh my gosh. Yeah. Watch him like, it's so funny. And literally, this wholesaler's pitching this to our builder, who had already been to the property. We're in negotiations. And so it's just funny how that works out, <laughs> where we wanted to pay 250 But she would, she would not, she said, no, that is way too low. I don't want to consider it. Well, and in the beginning, they don't know. No one knows. And then, okay, well. Yeah. And I constantly have to remind myself, and I'm glad you guys have gone under contract on some of your de deals really quickly. Usually your first offer is the best offer. Usually, yeah. not always, but there's been times when I have rejected initial offers on a flip or something, and then they only get worse after that. I'm like, dang it, I have to remind yeah. myself the first offer is the best <laughs> offer. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's tough. So what other questions might you have for me? Um, I would say, yeah, I would say I have questions mainly around um, lending. It's like we found that there's mo there's so many deals that we will love to jump on, like deals on the MLS. There's whole seller companies that will pitch that or have like decent profit margins, but we are over leveraged out because we have so many projects going on. Is like how to ideally, I talked to one lender where she said. There's some investors that have hit a point where they have almost like a fund that they just roll money in and out of without saying this property, these are the terms, uh, these are the rates you're going to get. So I would love to get to a point where whether it's just get consistent rates. Cause we have, I mean, we had a great rate. We have a half a million at 10% um, one point origination. And that's private money. So yeah. that's awesome. 
they don't have enough money to keep rolling it into more deals, you know? So like right now that's tied up. Um, so I would say, how do you, are, are you limited by, by not having access to that when you have multiple deals and you have agents that are calling you with deals or do you have to like turn them down? Um, great questions. And you got to go with your comfort level because there's definitely been times when we had so many projects you know, and all leveraged. And I'm like, I would stress out a bit or lose sleep here and there. Like, oh my gosh, this is like too much. Cause it can be stressful. I mean, there's been times like right when we were starting early on and buying houses at auction. Um, mm-hmm. I think the most houses we ever had at one time on the books was like 50. It was insane. Oh. We were so stressed oh out. Probably 20 of them were rentals and 30 were flips and they would just sit oh. and wait to be touched because we didn't have enough manpower oh. or crews. Wow. Way too stressful. Never yeah. want to do that again. <laughs> that was many years ago when we were back at the beginning, but like we better keep buying. We're supposed to just buy. We, we can buy. So we will, and we should. No, no. <laughs> but now I've moved up to higher price points, lower quantity where I can manage the individual projects better. And like, so the last three homes I bought are all around 900,000. So that's way up in price point compared to where we used to do, I'm sure compared to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I have found my recent hard money lender. I think I misquoted you too. I thought I was at 8% and 0.8 points, but I'm at 8.75%. That's based on, I think they offer that to people in California if you've done 10 or more flips in the last two years. So they want to make sure you're active. But um, that is 90% LTV and 100%. So I should say loan to purchase cost. So you always got to ask the lender, what, you know, what is the the limitations? And then they give me 100% of the rehab as well for those, that cost. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I've seen the cost of money come down over the last five years because it used to be kind of standard 12% Mm -hmm. with three and a half points. And that would be, you know, at 70% loan to cost or something like that. And now they're as good as, you know, what I just told you. Um, Probably my, the same company I use would be charging a little bit more for someone with less experience. And they'd also charge more in another state, California. They're like, I get calls every week of people like trying to lend me money. There's more money than there are places to put it. Yeah. So it's just got to be your comfort level and then you can supplement but this is tricky too, I've learned. So on one of my hard money loans, I got my first at 90%. And like one of them, I guess I, I paid 1.1 million for a house. So I thought, oh, I'd like that 10% to be a private money lender in there. So like I could put someone in for 100 or 150 grand and record a second on the property. And there's still plenty of um, room and value and equity. But the hard money lender... Um, disallowed any other recording of any other deeds on the property. So I think with one of them, like, okay, I'll put you on that. And it's, you know, in our heads there, and but you can't record the deed. So it's obviously an investor that trusts me and knows yeah. me and knows that I'm not over leveraging. I'm not putting other people mentally on that or anything, but there's got to be a big level of trust. So some lenders will not require you to put that second trust deed. And I don't know what they call them if they call them trust deeds or mortgages in Texas, but you guys are like the, the symphony conductor where you see the deals and you, and you 
put the money with the deals and then you've got all your contacts and your connections and your network and you just have to orchestrate it the best way that you can also not over leveraging your time like if you don't have enough time to do them all like we got in too deep with our 50 houses it's just your comfort level and what you can figure out with the money but there are lots of money options and networking for the private money is a great thing to do too which you can find at real estate clubs because many times there's guys there usually guys, sometimes women, but mostly guys that are sitting there and they're like, they're interested in real estate investing. They're comfortable with it as an investment, as an asset class, but they don't want to be the flipper. They want to be, you know, lending their money to someone like you guys. It's like young and hungry and energetic and you want to get out there and do it. And then they can make that 10% and be happy. So that's a great source that you guys could look to for first um, positions or even for second positions if they come in behind a hard money lender. So I don't know if that helped you, but it's a, com- it's not like an easy, quick answer. It's got to yeah. be what you're comfortable with and what your, what your books look like and, and all mm-hmm. that. It's like, but I tell people this game is like monopoly. And there's been times when I'm like, okay, I'm moving this mortgage to this property and this investor to that one. And now that one's selling. So where am I going to put that one? You know, once you get a lot going, you'll, you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, cause like for us, because we do this full time, we don't have W2. So conventional loans kind of out the door. So it's like hard money or private money. So that's kind of where we stand with that. There actually are, I've been getting emails and hit up lately for stated income loans. They are back. So maybe a stated income mortgage. Now it might only be for a home that you're going to live in that might not work for an investment property. But maybe talk to some lenders, um, you know, conventional lenders and just say, hey, what do you know about investment loans? Because a stated income loan, I've heard, you know, right now, I think uh, 30-year conventional mortgages, I got 4.75% here in Southern California on a, on a, on a home you're going to live in. And mm-hmm. maybe stated income loans might be as high as 6%. But I'll tell you, 6% is a lot cheaper than 10%. So it might be a nice alternative for you guys. And maybe you do want to move into a home, fix it, and then resell it. Maybe, you know, people do that too. So yeah, mm-hmm. just something to think about, see what's out there. Yes, <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. Any other questions I can help you guys with today? I So I guess I have all the questions. <laughs> um <laughs> On the same topic we were talking about before is uh, living in them. Um, Cause I know out here there's investors that every two years they homestead, move out, homestead, move out and get the tax exemption. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something that you would be inclined to do or is there something that you would prevent you from doing that as well? That's a great question. If I were in your guys' shoes, cause you have no kids, right? No, if no. I had no kids, I would probably do it. And we were even talking about that recently cause the home that I live in now, we bought to flip and like, Hmm, I think we'll move into that ourselves. It's near the beach yeah. and it's nice. So we did. And we've been talking about that cause that, um, the way it worked out, I mean, I don't know if we really had, well, maybe we did have that much, but you get half a million tax free and we're like getting to that point where, there's that much appreciation equity in the last four years since we lived here. And then, you know, the value we added, but I have a high schooler and he's like, mom, I don't want to leave. I'm like, what if we just went to San Clemente? It's the next town over and it has an ocean view. And he's like, I don't want to leave. I'm like, okay, maybe yeah. we'll stay. So 
if we didn't have the kids, we might do it. And maybe since the last one's leaving in two years, we will. Because that's the thing. That's the only thing that would tie me down. I don't get emotionally attached to homes. To me, they're product because it's my business where lots of people, especially women will be like, Oh, that's where I had my family and raised my babies. And I'm like a man, like whatever. It's just a box. I can move on. No judgment of the women that have connections to houses. Cause I have lots of friends that feel that way. And that's fine for them where I'm like, yeah. I can go wherever. If there's something bigger and better, I'm out. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I would definitely try and take advantage of that. If I were you, if you found a good deal and you want to move into it, go take advantage of that. I mean, up to half a million tax-free, not that you'd necessarily get that in Texas, but yeah. take advantage of it for what you can. Yeah. And that's for us. It's like, we want to find that property that we can maximize that homestead. If we're going to homestead it, we want to be getting the full, you know, exemption there. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we're definitely looking, but we can't get a conventional loan. So, so as of now, it's kind of on the back burner, but well, you've got some good income to show, you know, so, you know, from your deal. So you might be able to, or you do the stated income thing, even if you are paying 6% or whatever, that could be really good. Say yes. you only make a hundred grand on it or 50 grand on it. If it's tax free, that's huge. You know, yeah. I would yeah. totally go for that. Yeah. Uh, last night we were talking about, so we have a, uh, add on and then new build in the back where it's like flag lot. And we're gonna pitch it as kind of like an Airbnb. It's gonna be a two-two in the back, but new build. And it would be ideal to just sell it as like an Airbnb. And I'm like, we could do that. Like we can homestead <laughs> and Airbnb it in the back. Yeah. Um, so that's how you maximize kind of like that um, tax exemption where you're not only you making an income through um, sharing your property, but then also by just living there. Yeah, so definitely. that would be an ideal situation. <laughs> good creative thinking. Very good. Yeah. Here in Austin, actually, that's that's a big thing because Austin is big and spread out, but basically you can build two homes on a lot and you sell them separately. So what we were going to do was we'd sell the front house for like 430 and then the back one was going to be like 375 And basically it's subdivided. They have separate meters, everything's separate. Um, and that's what a lot of people are doing here in Austin. If you have a lot that's over 5,800 square feet, you can build an, an ADU, basically additional dwelling unit. And that unit can't be above 1,100 square feet, but it's creating more affordability because, I mean, the prices are going up majorly here. So yeah, these California investors, so they love us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But I did have a, a question for you because I'm always looking for like, you know, budget hacks. Do you have any for like when doing rehabs, any like, you know, things that you really like to use to save money or just any ideas to, to really save money on the rehabs? Um, not really. I've, I used to try and be a hoarder of supplies when we'd like right oh, they're having a big sit clearance sale at Home Depot. And we would buy, you know, hundreds of dollars of different tiles. Yeah. And if we didn't use them fast enough, I still remember we had these fancy travertine pencil liners for showers. Like, oh, this is awesome. And we bought, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them. Well, guess what? 
travertine is not the hot style anymore. Like it wasn't even for like maybe a two years before we'd even burned through it. So we went from trying to buy stuff at discounts and storing all this stuff in our garage. We looked like a Home Depot ourselves. to like, okay, we thought we were saving money doing that. I don't think we did. We probably maybe broke even or lost money by overbuying stuff. And so then we just said, okay, contractor, you buy what you need when you need it at Home Depot because like when you get bigger and you're doing more and you don't have the time you just have to like turn that off but now when you have more time I mean I do once in a while on our higher end stuff look at websites like um, build.com and Wayfair and with both of those you can get what's called like a professional discount you just tell them I'm a real estate investor I'm a house flipper then they give you a discount um, off of that. So like when I'm buying a thousand dollar fancy bathtub or, you know, $2,000, whatever vanity, then that's helpful. But that's about the only thing that I do. I don't have any like great solutions other than that. But my advice is don't turn your home into a Home Depot, your garage. <laughs> I regretted that big time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've kind of started a little bit, but we did, we made that mistake and someone was like, Oh, floor and decor, they have this great marble looking tile. You know, it's great price. We went, we bought it. We thought, Oh, we're going to put it in this property. And I was like, I don't like that Brown. We ended up selling it. So, I mean, we, we made our money back, so it was fine, but yeah, yeah we probably shouldn't do that again. <laughs> and I love floor and decor. We have them out here. So they have a big, yeah, yeah. big giant store in Santa Ana and that's where we go still sometimes if we're picking. So yeah. Yeah. yeah great honestly, stuff. Our, our go-to is, is Amazon for yeah. light fixtures. Sometimes I just order like a ton because I don't know what it's going to look like. And then I just return it. But I've heard Amazon is booting people who return too many items. So we're oh. so far. <laughs> Don't want to get blacklisted, no. I know, I know. I would be very upset. We spend a lot of money there. So, so yeah, that, that's kind of what we, we do. No, it's funny. Now that you say that, I remember when we were doing our condo conversion project in your town of Austin, I oh. bought hundreds of different I think it was mostly light fixtures and had them shipped right there and then whoever like the on-site contractor and one time it was me because I was there I'm like bringing them all in from the porch loading them in the garage but it is awesome that they have you know free delivery with the prime membership and it's fast that's super convenient yeah yeah for knobs like we buy all of our you know cabinet poles there and like 25 of them for like 30 bucks. I'm like, this is perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really convenient. Mm -hmm. So we've been going on for a long time. I feel like we should wrap it up unless you had any other burning questions. No, I think that may be. Okay. Well, I'm glad you guys asked me some questions because I I love for the listeners to hear some of my stuff too. Well, um, thank you so much, you guys, for joining us and telling us all about your deals. I'd love to have you back in another six to 12 months and hear the update stories because it's just so exciting to see you guys growing and doing better all the time. And I'll have to ask you, did you move into one of your own flips yet? So (laughs) are you homesteading? Yes. Yeah. So um, all you listeners, this is episode 102. So if you'd like to get the show notes and the contact information for Jonathan and Savannah, you're going to go to hardhatholly.com forward slash 102. So we're show 102. Also, if you want to send me a text to the number 38470, um, you're going to text 
hard hat, all one word, no space, it's hard hat. I will send you a weekly text once our podcasts get published and you'll have a link to the downloads that we've had from some of our shows. Lots of fantastic free tools with those. So you text hard hat to 38470 to get those downloads and reminders. Now, Jonathan Savannah, if people want to connect with you, how would they do that? Best way I would say is by phone or email. Um, my phone, personal cell phone number is 512-696-5400. And our, our company's called Savvy Property Investments. So you can either look that up um, or we can, uh, my email address is jj.savvyinvestments at gmail. And Savannah's is s.savvyinvestments at gmail.com. And how do you spell savvy for savvy investments? S-A-V-V-Y. S-A-V-V-Y. Awesome. So listeners, if you are in the Austin area and want to connect with them, maybe um, sell them a house or buy a house from one of their wholesales or something, then definitely hit them up. That's great that you got his phone number there and it will be in our show notes as well. So if you didn't catch it, don't worry about it. What is your parting words of advice for our listeners that want to get started? I would say so, and I learned this in the entertainment industry, is leap and the net will appear. Oh. A lot of times uh, people are stagnant because of fear and they don't have that safety net. And we literally just moved out here with no plan B and... Because of that, we were hungry and we're at where we're at right now. So that's kind of um, awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and also just to be patient because a lot of gurus and programs say, oh, you're going to get a deal in the first four or six weeks. Just do this, this, this. It doesn't always happen that way. And just be patient. And if you're persistent and patient and you follow up, you will get deals. But if you give up and get, you know, discouraged, you, you won't succeed. And for, for us, it was sink or swim and we just kept swimming <laughs> and kept swimming and kept swimming. And we never had the option if it didn't work out. Um, we never thought, Oh, well, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to go back to doing this. It was like, this is working. So I think it is, it's a lot about mindset. It is. And you guys obviously have the right mindsets. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for your time, guys and listeners to get these show notes. Once again, it's hardhatholly.com forward slash 102. And you can check out my website, YouTube channel, Hard Hat Holly, Facebook, Hard Hat Holly. Look me up. I'd love to connect with you. And guys, get out there, take some action and make it happen. Thanks for listening today. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review our show. And let us know in your review what you'd like to hear more of. For the show notes and free downloads for this episode and all others, go to hardhatholly.com.